I'm Rico. And I'm Jessica. And this is the Always the Critic podcast where a couple of friends review the latest movies, except we literally have zero qualifications to do so. Jessica, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Had a really fun birthday weekend. Had family in town. Happy birthday, Jessica. Yay! (laughs) Happy birthday to me. I had a good time. Went fishing with my dad. And right now I have family sitting next to me. We have a very special guest with us today who is absolutely stunned at the process of making a podcast right now. It's pretty funny to see uh, my sister, Rebecca, is here with us, and she has actually never listened to a single episode of Always the Critics, so we have a fan fan with us as well. (laughs) Hi. Welcome, Rebecca. Thank you for joining us on the show. Um, Obviously, we got you because you are a fan of the topic that we are going to talk about today. Correct. Uh, Before we get into the topic, though... If this is your first time listening, go ahead and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and many more. And if you do like us, go ahead and give us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Five stars goes a long way for us. Come and check us out on social media to stay up to date on our latest episodes and reviews. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at AlwaysCriticPod. And if you're a fan, please, please consider becoming a patron. It's such a great way for you to get involved and show your support. You can check out the page on Patreon.com slash AlwaysCriticPod and shout out to our patrons, Curtis and Janet. Love you guys. Thank you so much. Now, today, if you're looking at your podcast app, you'll see that we are covering two Lord of the Rings movies today. We are covering The Fellowship of the Ring and The Two Towers. The reason why is because The Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power, the new show that arrives on Amazon Prime, it's arriving September 2nd. And for months, Jessica has told me that (laughs) we need to take a trip down memory lane and rewatch every Lord of the Rings movie. Uh, Not The Hobbits, of course, but, you know, (laughs) the actual trilogy. And so we decided to split up the eras a little bit. So on this episode, we're going to cover the first two movies. Like I mentioned, The Fellowship of the Ring and The Two Towers. So before we get started, though, I want to talk real quick to Rebecca because uh, you're the guest today and Mm -hmm. you are a fan of Lord of the Rings. So what is it about Lord of the Rings that drew, you know, draws you to it? Uh, Do you have a memory from when you first saw them? Let us know. Give us the scoop. Um, well, I think that it's very nostalgic for me to watch them. So I kind of end up watching them a couple times, at least like twice a year. I'll go through all three of them and watch the extended editions and go through like the whole nine yards and everything. Um, and it just takes us back. I know Orlando Bloom was my first childhood crush. I think Jessica's as well. So it's just going back and seeing what started it all um and it's you know it it takes us back to watching them in the theaters as well and I remember how that felt even at you know I was pretty young at the time and it's still something that I remember specifically nice yeah yeah so a childhood thing I will say on my end I did not watch the first or the second one in theaters. I watched the third one in theaters. So, like, I had mm. – I basically, like, did, like, a catch-up before the third, before okay. The Return of the King. Right. And I remember I did fall in love with the movies. I took a very <laughs> long time to re-watch them again uh, really? just because, like, I, I didn't have one of those things where I would be like, oh, I should re-watch this, you know, like, or a series of movies or something like that. Uh, but – then, you know, a few years ago, I rewatched them and I thought, man, these movies are awesome. I don't They're know so why. Good. I don't watch them <laughs> yeah. enough. 
And then recently, uh, we decided to rewatch them. You guys, yeah, I'm pretty sure did the extended edition. There's I, no other way. I didn't do the extended edition. This <laughs> then you didn't around. watch the movie. Yeah, that's what. <laughs> With respect, that's what every Lord of the Rings fan says. <laughs> so I haven't seen them. I've spent. Uh, so far with the first two movies, rewatching six hours, and no, that's not enough. No. In the first two movies alone. Uh, so, Jessica, what about you? I'm guessing something similar to Rebecca in terms something of Something really similar. Yeah, basically yeah. we have the same story because we grew up going to see these movies in theaters. I vividly remember, like, the first movie ending, and it ended on the cliffhanger. Nothing was resolved. It was, it was like, the first time that the family... We had never read the books or nothing. The family was completely new to lord of the rings and we were like what the hell my mom was like we got to come back it's not done like there was like a serious (laughs) there was serious like qualms with it but we loved it we fell in love with it like she said there was a one-two punch of orlando bloom and lord of the rings and pirates of the caribbean Mm. when we were younger within a two-year span we did not survive he was in his prime (laughs) yeah (laughs) i had a life-size cutout of legolas in my room for years (laughs) True story. True story. Ooh, I'm not boy. kidding. And then she inherited it. Well, you were going to throw it out. And yeah. I was like, uh, we're not wasting a Lord of the Ring. Like, this is Orlando Bloom cutout. So then he was in my room. But I had him for years. And it was still like every time I got out of the shower, he would scare me. Yeah, because he would be in, standing in, in the corner, corner of the room. In a dark corner. And it's like, who's that? Oh, oh it's oh just like a lot. Oh, wow. Yeah. We never uh, had a real version of Monopoly. We just had Lord of the Rings yeah. Monopoly. Monopoly. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. There weren't That's any. Funny. What are the little things in the regular Monopoly that you put on the board? Oh, like oh, the hat and the yeah, thimble yeah. No, no, and the no, no, dog. No, it's like, um, is it apartments? And, oh, right, oh, yeah. Like you could build apartments on the and houses. Okay, yeah. These were like forts and fortresses. Of course they are. That's what you could <laughs> put <understand. laughs> We loved it. And do you, do you guys remember what was the most expensive like property to buy? Oh no! For it, I know no? the most expensive horse was Shadowfax. Yeah, and I think Rivendell was up there too. And those were always like the coveted. Like everybody wanted Shadowfax. Yeah. Nobody wanted Bill the Pony. Yeah, nobody wanted Bill the Pony. <laughs> like, from the first I'll movie. skip on Bill the Pony. Let me get to Shadowfax. <laughs> um, I think yeah, it was Rivendell was up there. I don't remember. We literally have it still, so we could actually pull it out and check it out it's it's next really game nice. night lord of the rings monopoly <laughs> lord of the rings monopoly that sounds great so today we are gonna go ahead and dive look back and yeah. talk about nice both of these movies here. exactly so we're gonna start with the first movie came out in 2001 the fellowship of the rings jessica let us know what this movie's about I got you. IMDb synopsis reads, A meek hobbit from the Shire and eight companions set out on a journey to destroy the powerful One Ring and save Middle-earth from the Dark Lord Sauron. Now, this movie is directed, well, all of them, are directed by Peter Jackson. They are based from J.R.R. Tolkien's novels, or Tolkien is actually the correct pronunciation. (laughs) I always get that wrong, like, the first time, and then I have to remember. Uh, Also written by Fran Walsh, uh, Philippa Boyens, and Peter Jackson. Uh, Jessica, lead us off. Who stars in this movie? Oh, my God. This is the a true ensemble cast here. We have Ian McKellen, Elijah Wood, Sean Astin, Andy Serkis, Viggo Mortensen, Orlando Bloom, John Reese davies Dominic Monaghan, Sean Bean, Billy Boyd, Liv Tyler, Hugo Weaving, Kate Blanchett, Christopher Lee, Ian Holm, music by Howard Shore. <laughs> Stacked cast, if yeah. you look at it. Um, so, yeah, that's... 
basically who stars in the movie. And when it comes to box office, budget was $90 million, which doesn't sound like a lot, but back in 2000 when it was being made, pretty yeah, good amount of money. Yeah, that doesn't count marketing no, either. No, it can't. No way. So the movie did make $313 million domestically and $880 million worldwide. Yeah. So when you include the re-releases, which they've done a few times, uh, $898 million. Yeah, which almost a billion dollars. Almost a billion dollars in the first movie alone. First movie first alone. Movie. Mm-hmm. So, Jessica, critics, did they like this movie? I they mean, love it. Yeah. I mean, come on. It's one of the highest rated franchises ever. Rotten Tomatoes score 91% and a 95% audience score just for Fellowship of the Ring. And the critics consensus reads, full of eye-popping special effects and featuring a pitch-perfect cast, The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, brings J.R. Tolkien's classic to vivid life. All right, so... Where do you want to start off? Do you want to start talking about parts of the movie or do you want to t- talk about leading into the movie? So I kind of want to talk about how it was made really fast because I found this extremely interesting that Miramax first bought the rights and Peter Jackson was dealing with Weinstein, you know, the infamous <laughs> oh, God. Weinstein and his studio oh, to no. try and make the movie. They wanted it done in one picture instead of multiple uh like a series at all they didn't want that and so they were trying to desperately condense it down peter jackson was very upset and then finally you know he started optioning it to new line cinema and the president robert shea was like okay we'll do it and it'll be three movies and he gave him like a giant budget to do it and they hop shipped to new line cinema and the rest is history i mean that was the best decision imagine cutting that down into one movie yeah it would have been terrible awful that makes no no sense at all. Now, the language <laughs> in <laughs> the face teacher. I was gonna say almost as much sense as extending the Hobbit into three movies. <laughs> yes, yes, like that is exactly <laughs> the what they first did. Shots have been. Fired. I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, the Hobbit book is like this thin. It's like nothing really. Yeah. And if you were watching us, like I'm making like a very small little space between my thumb and my index <laughs> finger. Uh, but they stretched it into three movies for no reason because they were like money. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> that's all they thought about there. All right. Um, now, obviously, there's other things that are really central to the movie, uh, like, for example, the Elvish language. And yeah. this is not just from the books themselves, right, Jessica? Like, there's more to it than that. Yeah, because J.R.L. Tolkien had a dictionary of the language, and the, so the dialect coach used that and recordings of Tolkien reading his own books to coach the actors and actresses when they went to basically Elvish school because a lot of the cast had to learn these languages. Tolkien was not really an author. He was not a professional writer. He was... Um, a linguist and he taught Anglo-Saxon English in Mm. a university setting so he was a professor a bookish type and I think that really sold a lot of the really cool world building that happens in the movies is that the languages that are spoken are like they're built like real languages yeah and you can get that it's it feels immersive when you're when you're watching the movie yeah. Uh, because of the fact that it just blends right in. Like they'll be speaking in English and then all of a sudden they just transition easily into Elvish mm-hmm. just at a mom- at a drop of a hat. Right. Um, so it's, it's really immersive in that way. Now, 
at the beginning of the movie, the, there's an ovation. Uh, it's like the prologue. It's really I love it's this fun long. fact. Yeah, it is long. <laughs> it is a long prologue. Like like I remember it being a lot shorter. And then on, upon rewatch, I was like, this is going a lot longer than I thought. <laughs> She's still talking. <laughs> She's still talking and describing everything that's going on. But it wasn't always Kate Blanchett's uh, Galadriel who was going to do the narration. Yeah, it was initially supposed to be Elijah Wood, and then they were like, what does Frodo have anything to do with the events that we're talking about? Then they switched to Ian McKellen as Gandalf doing the narration, and then they thought the same thing. Like, he it pretty much didn't work either. So they finally switched to Cate Blanchett's Galadriel, and that's to emphasize the timelessness of the elves, because she definitely was alive during all of the happenings in the prologue. Yeah, that completely makes sense. Um I think the biggest thing that most people might know about this is that all three movies were filmed simultaneously, mm -hmm. which is insane to me. Mm -hmm. I cannot believe that they spent pretty much 16 months yeah. filming not one, Living not two, three movies. Yeah. I mean, but it, it kind of works for a story like this because you know where the story is going already. It's not yeah. one of those things where uh, – Hey, we don't know what the ending is yet. We still I haven't mean, written it. That being said, they were doing constant rewrites on the script, and the screenwriters were on hand throughout that time that they were on set in New Zealand, and actors were, you know, having a lot of creative input over time because they were there for so long and had, you know, full creative control over their characters. And they were like, well, I don't think that they would say this in English, let's switch it to Elvish. I don't think that, you know, my character would do this. Why don't we do this? And like they were really just making giant changes, not just from the book to screen, but at, while they were on set and filming these movies back to back to back to back. Yeah. So <laughs> um, there's so much that you could get into with the movie. I, I think we can come back to some of the like the other production yeah stuff. there's tons of fun facts i mean there's like endless fun facts about it and of course we've watched the extended editions plus all of the special features on those discs mm. as well which is like hours and hours of great production stories and interviews with basically everyone involved and it's great like if you have it to watch it but like we can't cover all the vastness of that information on this so podcast much. right There's now way too much yeah. stuff to be able to cover just mm -hmm. on the first movie alone like it's just yeah so much but i kind of want to talk about the movie um i think the the best question to start off with is there a moment in the movie that really you get excited for it to watch or that just really stands out for you in the first movie in the fellowship. I'll start with Rebecca. Okay. Go for it. Um, I think Gandalf battling the Balrog. Oh, ah, going straight yeah, for it. I'm straight for it. Like, yeah. Sucker punch. Um, because it was, it's just so iconic. And I don't know if you've seen, like, there was a video that came out several years ago of Ian McKellen talking to some school children outside of a window <laughs> And he, he says something like, oh, if you don't study for your exams, you know what's going to happen. And they're like, what, what? And he says this big line, you shall not pass. And everyone's like screaming. So like <laughs> even like these like, you know, five-year-old school kids, like they uh, they know those lines and they know that scene so well. And it 
excites them and it excites me to see it. And then we get to relive it all over again in the two towers, <laughs> the beginning of the two At towers. At the very beginning, yeah. <laughs> um, and then some. So it's. I think that's probably the most one of the most iconic. Mm-hmm. That and probably as when Frodo gets up. Um, in the mean? very beginning, he's like sitting against the tree. Oh my god! And yeah. Frodo just stands up, and you like see his blue eyes, and you're like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I don't know how to feel right now, but I love him. So it's a short man <laughs> with a beautiful face. Yeah, <laughs> is that the guy from Flipper? <laughs> like you're just. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. So I forgot I about that. Probably those are they're. Pretty, I mean, there's so many, but mm-hmm. those are probably the first two that yeah. stand out to me. What I would say you, experiencing Hobbiton and the concerning Hobbit mm. sequence, which is way more substantial in the extended edition because you get a giant juxtaposition between the hobbits and basically every other creature (laughs) every other creature in middle earth does not lead this hobbit lifestyle which is like idyllic they live in these hobbit holes underground it's very idyllic they garden they eat they like pass their days away just smoking and having a good time and they're very chill. They don't, they're basically pacifists. They don't want to fight. They don't want to get in other people's business. And it is like the best parts of English culture, like British culture. Mm. I see what you're saying. Yeah. So I really enjoy seeing them and their wardrobe, the way they look, the hobbit feet, and the whole Bilbo party, the birthday party at the beginning of the movie. I just find it so comforting. Yes. Uh, I, very comforting i think that entire opening sequence where they're you know by the shire and everything it and they're having the party for bilbo Mm -hmm. i think it is a very comforting thing because it it introduces you to who you're going to be spending the most time with throughout this trilogy so you get to really like attach your yeah and attach yourselves to those characters Mm -hmm. so that you yeah they're they're like some of our main heroes which is like so unlikely that these little these little guys are going to save Middle Earth. Yeah, they're <laughs> underdogs, and they're not warriors. They're not no. fighting people. They're very removed and very naive. And these these are your protagonists. Yes, these are the protagonists. I truly enjoy the actual forming of the Fellowship. Oh, yeah. oh mm-hmm. when they're in Riverdale, halfway and, through the movie. <laughs> yeah, halfway through the movie, it's like pretty much the exact half of the movie is there and then frodo like makes the decision i will do it Mm -hmm. you know like that's his that's his big moment of like it's the burden's on me Mm -hmm. like i'm gonna do this i see how everybody's fighting over this so naturally i'm gonna take ownership of this my uncle left this to me and if we you know if we give the ring to someone else it looks like somebody else is going to use it in a nefarious way so I might as well just do it. So I do like that formation of the fellowship there. Um, that's a great scene. Uh, a scene that I don't know why, but I did like the the Aragorn uh, Arwen, like when they're like <laughs> talking in Elvish okay. and kind of like promising each other, yeah. promising to one another. Um, I thought that was a pretty like a nice scene to have because mm-hmm. it shows that Aragorn does have something that he's kind of fighting for. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not just like some guy out there. Some ranger from the north. Exactly. He's not just that. You know, there's something more. There's something that he's fighting for. So those are some of our favorite scenes. Side Obviously. Note. Yes. 
We have the even star necklace, both of us. A piece. I'm yeah. sorry, what? <laughs> you heard us correctly. We petitioned our dad to get us even star necklace, like legit even star necklaces with like the provenance, like seal of authenticity and like all the shit that comes with it. And we still have them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, there's no way I'm getting rid of that. There's no way we can get rid of it because the way that we just like wanted him and like we just love that design of the necklace as well it's really pretty but like now we can't there's no way we can wear it out in public at all like there's it's just we really never could we never could yeah (laughs) no there's too many lord of the rings fans out there that as soon as they see it (laughs) it's stupid no, it's not. I wouldn't say stupid. I would not say stupid. I just mean the the fact that we wanted it so bad. Yeah. He got it for us and we still have it 20 years later. It's kind of like wild. That is pretty wild. That is wild. Uh, now, speaking of the movie, we mentioned Hobbits. There's throughout the movie, we are constantly seeing that the Hobbits obviously are shorter than everybody else. Mm -hmm. But how exactly they did that, there was different ways. Obviously, (laughs) there was like some CGI that they, you know, like they were in front of. They used doubles. Doubles. Trickery of the camera. Yeah, forced perspective. Yes. Uh, Like, for example, they would place Sir Ian McKellen, you know, closer to the camera than Elijah would. So that way it would be like a trick to the eye. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, look. Gandalf is much bigger. Seven foot tall, and then Bilbo's three feet tall. Exactly. Uh, so little things like that. Um, One here's... thing that I liked about the force perspective, just to elaborate on that really fast, is yeah. that when you do force perspective, it's pretty much always limited to one shot. Like, you can't move the camera around the space because that will break the illusion. But in their case, they really pushed the envelope for this kind of sleight of hand that they were doing with the camera and they would have moving shots of these characters interacting with the space and they would have even like props and um, different spaces within the shot would be different sizes so like Bilbo would have a very large knife while like Ian McKellen would have a small knife for instance and I just really appreciate that like the detail to the craft like they weren't just like we'll have static shots and we'll do the force perspective and no one will know the wiser that obviously Ian McKellen's not seven feet tall and Ian Holm is not three feet tall. But they really, you know, kind of made it the best that it could be. Yeah, they do a really well, I would say like just about all of the movie is so well done because they do a very good job of mixing the practical with the CGI. And there are times I will say about the CGI where it does kind of feel like <laughs> it looks old, but not in the sense of like it's outdated. What I mean mm-hmm. to say is that it's purposely given like this old CGI look like the way they would do it back in like the 70s and 80s when they would do these like if you're looking like at a wide landscape of like people fighting or, you know, a dragon flying. There was like this certain type of technique that they would use. And it kind of looks like he like used that same technique, Peter Jackson. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's almost like an homage because uh, Lord of the Rings was very popular for some reason during the 70s. Like it was like 
Yeah, that that's when big... you had all of those cartoons. Yes. And some more illustrated editions were coming out. And, you know, people were discovering it again. You know, every every generation, I feel, it is looking back and finding Lord of the Rings. Oh, yeah, for sure. Sense. Is there something from this first movie that maybe you're not so enamored with by chance? Uh, is there <laughs> something that you like are like, eh, I don't know if I like that or that moment or character, anything like that that you can think know. of? I have to think about it. You go first. Hmm. Tough one, right? I think it's pretty tough because, uh, first of all, F- Fellowship of the Ring is my favorite movie. Hmm. Out of the three of them. Gotcha. I just like the beginning of things. I like the formation of the the fellowship. I love the scene of, you know, the Bridge of Khazad Doom and all that. It's really good. Well, you're not a sequel girl anyway. And I'm not a sequel person anyway. Like, you so hate like, sequels. I do. <laughs> um, maybe I would say that there's just not... It's not very subtle in terms of, like, changing cinematography and like filters and things when you're going and watching the movie for instance you know the mines of moria everything's pretty dark you have mm-hmm. a lot of like orange lights especially because there's fire involved and a giant fire monster and all that crap they leave and it's suddenly kind of green again and then they yeah. leave and go into the forest oh yeah and all of a sudden galadriel's home is like all blue like everything silver is like and blue. silver yeah. and blue it's very harsh. Yes. And that's something that reminded me a lot of like the early Mac, the MacBooks when they had those filters, like the blue filters. Oh, and yeah. Stuff. You, do you remember that? Those silly bad booth. filters. Yeah. And photo yeah. booth and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. It does so feel that way. It's a little bit choppy in that sense. But again, I do like that they tried to make each space and each culture within the realm like just so different, like wildly different from the other one. Yeah, I agree. It's a bit of a shock when you're watching the movie. Right, because you're like, all of a sudden you're like, it's blue. Like, everything's blue. Yeah, from scene to scene, it's just Mm -hmm. like very drastic in the way they color grade the the movie at that point. I personally don't have anything that I would say that really sticks out during Fellowship of the Ring. I'm not... I'm not here saying perfect movie, like nothing wrong, but I'm just saying like nothing really sticks out in terms mm. of something bad. I don't know if Rebecca came I up with it. I haven't come if, up with any. No. If you have, then. I agree. <laughs> I agree. It's not my favorite, but it is probably my second favorite. And it, I, it is kind of like near perfect. You know, there's nothing. I would really not change anything is what I'm saying. How do you right. feel about Sean Astin? Because we know him as basically like a child star. He was. Rudy. Rudy, and then all of a sudden he gained 30 pounds and he's Samwise Gamgee. <laughs> so I feel like it was a bit of a shock to me as a kid, like watching Lord of the Rings. I was like, oh, it's the kid from the Goonies? Yeah. As yeah, that's Sam, pretty much and it, how you know, He had an accent where he didn't have it before. He's American. And, you know, it was kind of jarring. I think people do kind of shit on Sean Heston a little bit <laughs> in this role. But I, I, I have no beef mm. with Sean. No, neither do I. I think uh, over time, he's definitely become more of a like a figure that people kind of gravitate towards as like feeling good when they see him on screen, Mm -hmm. as opposed to maybe at that time, because there was such a heavy association of, 
oh, the kid from Goonies or the kid from Rudy. Like there was like a heavy association with just him and those. Maybe mm-hmm. people were like kind of thrown back at the time. But now, now people view him as Samwise, you know, yeah. like he is Sam. And whenever they see him on screen, like there's like this warmth that people get, you know, with him. Mm-hmm. A sense of nostalgia, kind of like what you were saying earlier, Rebecca. How do you uh, feel about Christopher Lee as Saruman? I think it's a really good choice. I think here here's the thing about Christopher Lee. Like just a few years later, he would be playing another evil character in another franchise, uh, and that would be Star Wars. Um, but oh, Count Dooku. Yeah, Count Dooku. <laughs> I was like, who are we talking about here? Okay, got it. <laughs> but I, I think it was a great choice. I think visually, if this is your first time ever seeing the movies and you don't really know the actors or whatever, visually having Gandalf and Saruman like mm. interacting with each other might confuse you maybe. I can Just, see that, yeah. But I still think it's a great choice because I think Christopher Lee has this like presence that you can take seriously, you could take as a threat. So I think it's a good choice. I think he wasn't the only choice. I think he was the first like he was, so he was always Peter Jackson's first choice to play Saruman, but Jackson did think of other people like Tim Curry, Jeremy Irons, Malcolm McDowell, but ultimately Christopher Lee was like it for him, and he is basically the only cast member who had read the books and was and a fan of the Tolkien <laughs> series, came in with extensive knowledge of the books and was like visiting the makeup department and giving them tips on the facial design of the orcs and like he was very heavily involved and i think he was a great steward of his character even though he wanted to play gandalf oh and he did yeah that's a that's a nice fun fact but he wanted to play gandalf was given saruman and i think he knocked it out of the park yeah yeah he did it's it's Mm -hmm. a great part um i feel that we get a lot of it in the first movie. We get a good amount of Saruman in the first movie. Not so much in the second. I feel like he's kind of missing in the second. But we'll talk about that in just a little bit. Um, I wanted to mention. Uh, because in this. Well you guys are given a face. But you probably <laughs> are talking about the extended version. I am not. So that's probably why. Oh. The extended editions. I don't, well, probably I have don't, more I of him. He's, he is. Well I mean we'll get to two towers. That's fine. Yeah, we will. Uh, the movie did win four out of the 13 Academy Awards that it was nominated for. Yes. Um, the four that it won were Best Cinematography, Best Makeup, Best Original Score, and Best Visual Effects. So I, I stand by that. Like you, Sometimes you hear what the Oscar winners were and you're like, I don't think they should have won for that or right. so-and-so should have won. They yeah, deserved every one of those. I like think. It was 13, but we'll get more into that because... The, the other movies start winning even more than that. Yes. Four is like already great. Yeah. In, in the history of Academy Awards. But we'll talk about that more you later. You said it won. Wait, costume? It won. Uh, for Fellowship of the Ring, it won cinematography, makeup, original score, and visual effects. Okay. Yeah. I do love the makeup. And I love that they went mm. with practical makeup. It was nominated for and prosthetics it. And all these things that they put on these New Zealand men <laughs> and women. Women to too. make them look like orcs and all of these fantastical creatures because you can tell like the workmanship that was put into each individual orc and creature or whatever it might be mm-hmm. is very detailed and 
Yeah, you know, you can just tell when it's CGI and when it's not CGI. Oh, for sure. And they do such a good job, like I said, practical, like making mm. stuff practical to fit <clears throat> into, the, into the realm. Um, let's see. What else do you guys want to talk about on Fellowship? Mm. I mean, there's, I mean, there's so many things we can talk about, but it's just a matter of what you guys want to talk about. I think we can say that Vigo Mortensen or Orlando Bloom did did most of their own stunts. I think Vigo did all oh, of his own stunts. Yeah. Nice. Nice. And there was a couple things that they had to work around for Vigo because he wiped out surfing. Oh, the whole cast like learned how to surf while they were in New Zealand. Of course. And then Vigo wiped out and he had major swelling on one side of his face, right? Yeah, that's what I heard. Yeah. And they, the makeup people tried to work with it and they were like, we can't like fix the swelling on the side of his face. So the whole scene of them fighting in the minds of Moria, like that whole sequence is filmed from one side of his face. Oh, wow. So if you oh, go back, funny. it's literally just one side of his face and the other side, of course, they had to hide. Makes from, sense. Yeah. Totally and then <laughs> Vigo insisted on using a real steel sword. Which I think is absolutely Ooh, nuts. Oh, I like it. <laughs> danger. Yeah, a little too much danger. <laughs> it's obviously significantly lighter to use an aluminum sword, and it's safer to use a rubber sword, which they but manufactured both for the battle scenes and all the stunts. He was like, no, I want a real sword. And I think there was a story of him using his sword in, in public or somewhere where people could see him because he was like rehearsing his his moves, and people were like, Called call the cops on him or something because they were like, "There's this man waving a sword." Listen, Vigo is a nut. Yes, from what I've heard, and I think it shows. Like throughout the film series, he's very dedicated. I mean, I don't think he... there's anything wrong with that. Wow, no, I don't think so either. But um, doesn't he like he speaks like multiple languages and yeah. like he insisted on like more more elfish. Lines. Yeah. yeah. Because of course, why 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 not make your job easier? Let's make it harder. <laughs> but I, I, I think that's what I love about him and his character and his relationship with Legolas is because mm. again, like they'll be they'll it's it'll be them two with Gimli. He doesn't speak Elvish, but they'll still have their little side conversations and um speak to each other in Elvish and it does feel very organic. Yeah. And they, you know, they have their own little relationship. It's like the little Elvish language club. And That's true. <laughs> but it's it's realistic, you know, for somebody who's bilingual to speak to somebody else um, yeah. in another language. So I do like that. And it doesn't come up so much in Fellowship, but definitely in Two Towers and Return of the King. For sure. Them two are just always having their little side combos. Yeah. I mean, how many times you guys... You're both bilingual. Like, how many times have you had, like, just a straight-up conversation in Spanish with, like, someone, like, your mom in the middle of a crowd, like, that, or people that you're hanging out with, and maybe they yeah. don't know Spanish, like... Yeah, no, you have like, to, you have to start talking in another language so you can talk shit about people. Well, yeah. Period. Especially right to their faces. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I like this uh, fun fact, it, yeah. and it probably has more to do with the later films, but Peter Jackson gave one of the rings used in the movies to Elijah Wood... And the other one to Andy Circus as a gift when shooting was finished. And they both thought they had the only ring. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> now, I do mention Andy Circus. Andy Circus was not really 
involved in the motion cap for Gollum in the first movie. It's a completely different mm-hmm. design character and mm-hmm. everything. You can tell they really didn't have it nailed down until they cast Andy Serkis and was like, Peter Jackson was really enamored by his audition and his performance. And so he was like, okay, well, we have to get this somehow. Let's do motion cap. And that's kind of how Andy Serkis became Andy Serkis. You <laughs> the mocap king. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pretty, pretty cool. Now, uh, one thing I just always like to mention is um, Sean Bean, who uh, plays uh, Boromir. Sometimes <laughs> Boromir. Sometimes I like have the worst pronunciation of the <laughs> character names. Um, I always like to say, like, when is he going to die? Only because mm-hmm. Sean, B- uh, Sean Bean dies in almost every character yeah. he plays on screen. Unlucky. Like, unlucky actor. I mean, it shows that, hey, you're really good, but we need to kill you. <laughs> I think he's still well-loved in everything, though. Yes. And he, has, he leaves such an impression that, you know, people still talk about him. Oh, for as sure. As Boromir or any other character that he's done that he dies. Right, like, because <laughs> he's, you know, obviously Ned Stark in mm-hmm. Game of Thrones. He was in... Goldeneye, you know, for the Hello. James Bond se- series. National Treasure. National Treasure, okay, he, of course. He doesn't die, though. He just but, gets arrested. Yeah, that's true. So he doesn't so, die. He goes down. Villain. He still goes Villain. down. Villain. Uh, but, yeah, so I just, it's a fun little <laughs> note in my own head. Like, oh, great, he's going to yeah. die again. Also, he's afraid of flying. So whenever they had to do these giant shoots on mountainsides for the first movie he would freaking hike up the mountain in full costume to end up where everyone already was because they took a helicopter so he had really authentic sweat yeah no everything about him was like yeah no that was real (laughs) just joking that was real climbing sweat Mm. oh wow um a little thing about the fellowship of the ring uh afi does their you know they did their 100 list and this is number 50 on the 100 greatest movies list so and that was only like six years after the movie was released so that just shows the impact that that Mm -hmm. movie made right away all right anything else on fellowship before we move i do like the maori choir that happens during the score for the bridge of casa doom Okay. I think that adds so much. I feel like I've mentioned this a few times when we watch it. I'm like the choir, the male choir, because <laughs> it is so. It's such a a moment, it's moving. Yes, I love it. It is. There's a so much piece. about the movie that I love, but oh yeah, no, it's it's a fantastic movie. Mm. Um, oh, <laughs> I don't know why people will sometimes like compare these two. I don't think there's like a very fair comparison between the two. But when people compare Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter. No. I don't think that's a fair comparison. No, it's not. And, okay, I, I would like to hear from you guys, like, why it's not a fair comparison. Okay, take it away. Oh, my God, they're just completely different. <laughs> <laughs> Other than the fact that they're completely different. Also, Harry Potter has so many more. Obviously, they're both based on books. Mm-hmm. But there's seven books in Harry Potter versus these, which are based on just three of his works. Um, so it's technically a shorter story. Yeah. Um, I think the the population 
like the audience that they're mm. trying to reach is also completely different, right? Oh. So for for mm. for Harry Potter, it really does start out as a children's book, children's movie mm. that you grow up with him. At least we did, you know, when we were kids. You grew up with Harry Potter, and then he's graduating, you know, when you are. Um, versus Lord of the Rings, it, I feel like it's definitely more. Certainly, children can um, appreciate appreciate it, it here and we are. enjoy it. <laughs> But it is more of an adult story. It's got more yeah. adult themes in it, and it's you know it's it's made for adults. The Hobbit, I guess, would be considered a children's mm, true. story, or at least when they did the little animations, it kind of turned into a children's yeah movie. Um, but I would say that the the audience is is different in the two of them. Just because oh, it's okay. fantasy doesn't mean that it's they're all, all the just same. lumped yeah. into the one, yeah. What do you think? Well, I think we were watching some special features before getting on the podcast, and it was kind of insightful to see some people talking about his inspiration for writing Lord of the Rings and how The Hobbit obviously came before, and then the publisher was like, we want another, you know, book or whatever. And he gave them this really kind of incoherent manuscript that was all one book. Then the Mm. publisher came and said it should be three. This is too long. We'll never sell it. And... I mean, his experiences in the in World War One really informed a lot of the content of the books and how it has really dark themes and how they're going to war is something that has to be done. They can't get out of this fight that they have to do. And it, I just really appreciated that and the kind of rich history of this author that wasn't an author writing this extremely detailed book about mm-hmm. something of you know a fantasy genre something that he would have wanted to have read himself but also something that's very serious in nature based right. on his own experiences so i kind of like the both both worlds of it and i don't think that necessarily jk rowling was in the same boat like writing from experiences of having been left for dead on a battlefield in world war one but you know i just me not right, to degrade jk you. rowling's works but you know coming from a different place right no i totally get it and maybe it's just me but i feel like uh lord of the rings is always held higher in estimation in people's view or in people's estimations than harry potter is uh i think sure. they're both fun stories and everything mm-hmm. they're both like you know engaging in every way but yeah i think there's something a little more special about lord of the rings versus harry Mm -hmm. potter um so with that being said with that being said uh i think we can go ahead and move into the two Two towers towers. so let's go ahead and talk about it uh so (laughs) sorry no no throwing up like gang signs no i'm not (laughs) no problem so The Two Towers was released the very next year, 2002. Jessica, let us know about that movie. IMDb synopsis reads, While Frodo and Sam edge closer to Mordor with the help of the shifty Gollum, the divided fellowship makes a stand against Sauron's new ally, Saruman, and his hordes of Isengard. Yes, so again, directed by Peter Jackson uh, from the novel from uh, Tolkien, Fran Walsh, Philippa Bowens, Peter Jackson, they're all back. They, I mean, it's going to be the same writers throughout. Yeah, all everything's three. the same. We have the entire cast coming back again, and yep. then we have plus, plus we have plus. some newcomers: Bernard Hill as Theoden, Miranda Otto as Eowyn, Carl or, ooh, as Urban. Urban, Carl there Urban as Eomer, 
And David Winham as Faramir. Yes. And Worm Tongue, too, which I forgot his name. But yes. Oh, yeah, there's Worm Tongue. Uh, so the movie budget, $94 million, just a little more expensive than the first. Uh, made $339 million domestically, 936 mm-hmm. worldwide. When you include the re-releases, $947 million. Almost a billion dollars again. Again. And critics, I'm guessing, love this one as well, Loved Jessica. It. We've got an even 95% from both the critics and the audience, which is pretty rare to have the match. Yeah. The critics' consensus reads, The Two Towers balance a spectacular action with emotional storytelling, leaving audiences both wholly satisfied and eager for the final chapter. So when it comes to, we're just talking about the first two movies. I kind of prefer Two Towers a little bit more than okay. Fellowship. Why don't you and Becky take this one away? Because this is your favorite one. This is my favorite one. The Two I, Towers. Go ahead, speak on it. Why is it your favorite, favorite one? Oh my gosh, going to heavy detail. There's so many reasons that I wish <laughs> that I would have written them down. Um, so I think like. Uh, you know, like the other ones, it's not a perfect movie. And there are parts like when we rewatched it, because we had just watched it like two weeks before and then we rewatched it this weekend. We're like, let's just skip the ends. So I'm going to get it out there. Yeah, the ends. It's boring. The trees. It's mm. necessary to the story. But, you know, I'll just let it out there. Yes, I would say the one thing that I would change is let's get a little bit more excitement with the trees. <laughs> um, However... I absolutely love the trio yeah. of Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli. Yeah. I think they are, like, name a more iconic trio. I can't. <laughs> I think that they're amazing. They really, like, explores their relationship. Um, and I really love that. We then also get Rohan. Oh, I mean, come on. What a, what the a po- theme. The possession and um, exorcism of King, King Theoden. It's pretty <laughs> iconic. I think that's probably one of my favorite scenes mm, in this mm. um, movie. Um, and then we get a proper, like a proper introduction to Gollum slash Smeagol. Yes. And we really, we meet Andy Circus as yeah. that character. Yes. And his own little internal struggle between yes. the two of them is, it's amazing. And mm. I think it's, it's so well done. And uh, of course, I mean, I'm Steve. I could go on, but this movie really is for the horse girlies, and <laughs> I just, I love it so much, so much. Oh, and Battle of Helm's Deep. That's what oh, I said. I I was, oh, is that what you said? I said Helm's Deep. Yeah, sorry, I wasn't Helm's listening. Deep. Um, but the Battle of Helm's Deep is again iconic, iconic. Um, legendary. Yeah, I really, I couldn't make a more perfect movie except you know the trees. So the freaking tree. <laughs> but I just let it out there now. So yeah, how, why do you like it more than Fellowship? Fellowship? So I do like because we're in the middle of the story. I feel mm-hmm. like we're we're driving towards a purpose. Um, I do like the introduction of some of the new characters that join into the story, mm-hmm. and I mean helms deep like that entire sequence it took four months to film it is fantastic yeah. i love that entire sequence um it's one of the, do i want to say it's the best battle i've ever seen like on Ooh. a screen i mean that's I really tough to, to say maybe i want you. to say it yeah. well you could say with one of with certainty best. that it's the best action sequence battle sequence within lord of the rings and within any Tolkien 
adaptation film adaptation yes yeah i okay I yeah specific. I, because there's lots specific. of movies peter jackson went on to make all those hobbit movies and yeah like, who gives a crap all about those, those yeah no i don't i don't care about those yeah those are not very good <clears throat> what what i appreciate about the battle of helm's deep is that even though it's filmed in darkness mm-hmm. it's filmed you know in rain, in the rain. so you the can rain shoot so you can almost make it like it could be confusing as hell if you were to look at it but there's like a clearly defined way of you know the way it's filmed because it's, you you clearly see the heroes are on the left the enemy mm-hmm. is on the right mm-hmm. every time they like shoot it mm-hmm. it's very clear where the enemy's coming from where the you know where the heroes are protecting from mm-hmm. so that's one also there's a distinct flair on the actual heroes like because they have like armor that has gold so you can see that on screen mm-hmm. even though like everything's so dark there's things that you can see so there's like clear definition of like you know what what is happening on screen I think also people are a little more aware of action sequences that are shot at night shot in the dark ever mm-hmm. since Game of Thrones specifically. Yeah. Because it was, I feel like a lot of complaints and backlash over, you know, one of the later uh, battles. The Night Game, of Winterfell, yeah. Yeah, in the Battle of Winterfell. And, you know, we don't have any of those issues in Battle of Helm's Deep. Battle of Helm's Deep does one of these things where it's like, where's the light coming from? It doesn't really matter. You just need to see enough. Mm-hmm. Right. And you don't think, oh, the, where's the light coming from? The moon. Oh, where's the light coming from? Torches. Mm-hmm. Like, you just... You do get those those lighting pieces, but for for some reason everything seems to be just glowing, and there's multiple you know lights that are happening, lighting. Yeah, and like it, you don't care. Yeah, like, I was gonna say you really just, right. You, you just don't. don't care. And it's funny that you, you mentioned it. that quote about where the lights coming from. I don't know if it was Peter Jackson. I can't remember who said it, but like they were saying like. Oh, but where does the light come from when you're shooting in Helm's Deep? And the response was the same place the music comes from. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I think it was Peter Jackson. Maybe it though. probably was Peter Jackson who said it himself. But like in that at that point, you're making something cinematic. Mm. You're not trying to make it as realistic as possible because then you run into the Game of Thrones problem where everything's mm-hmm. too dark. Right. Everything's in shadow and you can't see a damn thing. Mm-hmm. Unless you have to turn up the brightness on your TV, <laughs> which apparently everybody was doing. Everybody was complaining about. Uh, so I think it's kind of obvious to say that that's probably my favorite sequence of the movie. If we're talking right. about favorite sequences in this movie uh, outside of Helm's Deep, is there something else in the movie that draws to you from this movie? I think there's a lot of sweeping, you know, sequences where they come from the air to shoot. Like it wasn't, there were no drones back then. Like this was, they were in a helicopter or they were on a crane or something. And a lot of vistas of New Zealand and them coming upon, riding up on Rohan and things like that. It's just stunning cinematography in this one. I I would argue better than the first Fellowship of the Ring Uh, movie. Yes, I agree. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the difference was though. I don't know either. Do you think it's just a little bit more wide? Mm. Like a lot of the fellowship is we're going through a forest and now we're in Rivendell, Mm. but still it's very, it's enclosed. I would say the biggest sequences where we get that, where it's like, oh my God, stunning. Like they put stunt people on horses and they're just galloping through this like wide valley. 
The only one that I can think of for fellowship was when Arwen was taking Frodo to Rivendell and oh she's being God. chased by all of those. That. We didn't even talk yeah, about we that. Forgot but like, about that. <laughs> How could we? But that sequence is stunning as well because you get the close up of her, you live Tyler on the horse or whatever, and then you back up and you see these uh Nazgul in pursuit, the nine. Yeah. And it's again like through the vistas and the beautiful countryside of new zealand and you get more of that in two towers i agree because um obviously you mentioned arwen you know writing but also the only other moment that i can remember is when they're going up the mountain Mm -hmm. and like you see the nine traveling up the mountain and it, Mm. it is from like afar that's the only other moment that i remember in fellowship where they like really like Mm-hmm. Let's take a look at this scenery. But then, you know, Two Towers kind of opens up. Like, here's the world, like, wide mm-hmm. open. And, you know, there's a lot of those shots, just like you said. Rebecca, is there something that stands out to you from Two Towers outside of Helm's Deep? I mean, that's the obvious answer. Yeah, I think what I mentioned earlier, which was the the possession and exorcism of King Theoden. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Not only is it really exciting and powerful but it's also a really funny scene with um you know them (laughs) he pretends like he does he needs his staff and no don't take the staff away from an old man and all this (laughs) stuff um and i i think that it it ends up being very um funny and exciting but also really yeah also very powerful and he like casts out saruman and then you see saruman on the floor bleeding tears and it's like it's, it is really, um, really powerful. And then, you know, then Theoden finally wakes up and he's like, oh, where's my son? And it just gets very emotional from there. Mm. Um, yeah. So I think... I do have a fun fact though, about oh, this. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. yeah. So Bern- Bernard Hill would spend up to nine mm. hours in makeup to become the aged, possessed King Theoden. And he wore contact lenses, obviously, to give his eyes that milky look. He was very old and... His eyes actually were later tinkered with digitally to make it look even more like milky and what's the term? What's cataract. Cataract. Yeah, oh, cataract. But I really love the blending of the practical makeup effects with the CGI, especially when he's coming down from being possessed, right? That scene of him like de-aging is amazing yeah. to me. Mm-hmm. It looks better than some CGI that I've CGI that I've seen today in 2022. Yeah, there's been a lot of conversation about just CGI in general in the <laughs> last couple of months and how not good it is in certain fandoms. I won't yes. name any names right now. <laughs> oh. uh, name names. Yeah, who are we talking about? Uh, one scene that I really like. What's the tea? Oh, well, there's like <laughs> the entire thing with Marvel that oh, they have okay. problems with their CGI. Oh. like Yeah. And they overwork their CGI yes. houses and... This is true. Okay, Don't really yeah. pay them well. Right. Um, I really like when uh, Wormtongue, like when he realizes that <laughs> Gandalf has his staff. And it's like, I told you to take his staff. <laughs> I told you to take the wizard's staff. <laughs> that had me dying laughing because it was like, you had one job. Mm-hmm. Make right, sure right. he doesn't have his staff. Yeah, and I, that's exactly I what that he wants they, in. They take all all of their weapons before they come in. So it's like, it's just down to fist fight, like a good old fist fight between all of them. <laughs> Meanwhile, Gandalf's like trying to get <laughs> Saruman out of Theoden. One on one. Yeah. And you see everybody else like fighting around them. Just and like holding each other back. Like, <laughs> no, it's, let them fight. <laughs> it's hilarious. 
can we talk about and and we had me and Jess had a lot of uh, discussion <laughs> about them too when we rewatched um, Aragorn and Eowyn. Yeah, there we go. Um, that was like I knew this was coming. It, Did you a, really? It's a huge thing, and it the is. whole time we're like, do you think? <laughs> do you think like her? You know, obviously having feelings for him or thinking that, you know, he possibly had yeah, he, feelings yeah, for her. He was that warranted or is it like in her head? And we're like, I don't know. I mean, we I would think, break it down. And yeah. we're like, no, I think she's absolutely right in thinking that he returns her feelings. Yeah. That he likes her back. And I, think I think there's you can say that he yeah. does like her. Yeah. And it's funny that she the way that she speaks to him about him. And she's like using these broad terms terms, and it's like your men love you and they wouldn't be parted from you and they would follow you and all this stuff. And it's like, OK, but like she really means you her. mean you, right? Like you love him. You don't want to be part. You respect him and you would follow him and all this stuff. And it's, you know, I don't know. I, I feel so funny. bad for I feel Ar- like she Ar- got the short end of the stick. I know she ends up with Faramir in the end, according to the extended edition. I'm not sure if that ended up in the theatrical cut, did it? I have no idea. I don't remember. I think no. maybe they're standing next to each other um, oh, when yeah. Aragorn is getting oh, crowned right. king. But right, right, they right. don't go into... No, we get a full-on meet cute I would say, little... in the extended edition when they're recovering. Yeah. Uh, hospital romance. Yeah, hospital romance. <laughs> but, but anyway... Um, she really, I feel, had great chemistry with Vigo as Aragorn. And they... I think so, too. Like, he's really... Like, he's... If they were friends, I just don't feel like he would have done a lot of the stuff that he did. No. They're not friends. Okay, what's what's your what's your take? Like, you're kind of entertained they're, by us talking about this, but you seem They're to not agree. friends. Like, oh. there's clearly, like, an attraction there. But he still wears the even star. Exactly. He's that's still the thing. having psychic kisses with Arwen. <laughs> exactly. You know, when when like he's like, I know this is a dream. And like mm-hmm. Arwen's like, then it's let's, a good dream. that it's a good dream. It's like, I mean, come on. Like he is in a love triangle in a way. <gasps> OK, Almost. I was thinking that, too. But I feel like it's more like a love parallelogram. What? Because. Uh? Because Eowyn and saying. Arwen aren't like, you know, Eowyn is aware of Arwen, but it's not like she's ever met. Mm. Right. She doesn't know what kind gotcha. of threat she's up against here. She doesn't realize. Two parallel lines. About an elven and princess. Ar- and uh, Aragorn is at the beginning of both of yes. those lines. Yes. And then we've got Eowyn on one side. So it's it's really oh, a love wow. parallelogram. Yes. Wow. Uh, obviously, he, look, obviously there's <laughs> there's something there. But yeah. his heart is tied with Arwen, so it's like oh, yeah. it's some it's there was it's just two so ships passing there. in the night. Like he's like in the extended edition. There's even more, mm-hmm. yeah, that we get, and he's eating a shitty soup that she makes, mm-hmm. not saying anything. I feel like if it was a friend, he'd be like, "Did you make this? Like this is <laughs> yeah. kind of like he's you know, it sucks. <laughs> he's not a friend." And then I think during that battle where they. They fight those like dogs mm. before they reach yeah. home. They get ambushed. Yeah. He is riding away to a quick battle with everyone else in their party, and he decides to turn his entire Higher horse course. around look to at look at her, mm. and then he leaves for battle. Yeah. And I was like, "That is so telling." I want to make eye contact with her one more yes, time. We need to have before wh- I go yes. into battle because I don't know what's going to happen. Mm. Yeah. Like I, I mean, was like, that's a lot right there. The connection Even those two. is there. There are sparks. 
but it can never be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Justice for Aowen, man. Justice, Justice for Aowen. What would their couple name be? Aoborn? Aowen? Aowen? But that's too Erwin? close to her name. Ooh, no, that's close to her name. No, that doesn't work. <laughs> uh, let's see. What else? Obviously, we in, in this movie, um, because of the cliffhanger from the first movie you know mm-hmm. we see Gandalf I do fall. love that I remember seeing that in theaters and being blown away that they re they just redid the entire scene mm-hmm. of losing Gandalf and they show you more and then they showed you more and as soon as you see Gandalf like falling and him grabbing the sword again I re- I just remember being like oh my god like I haven't seen this before yeah it was stunning in theaters and him yeah. fighting the Balrog I do have a complaint about the Balrog it definitely has wings. <laughs> yes. But they're made of smoke. And he falls, so I'm confused. Why isn't he be, like able to fly? Why isn't he flying? <laughs> it's yes. a great question. Because he's falling with his wings. Is it kind of like a penguin that doesn't really fly? No, it definitely... Like it, no. It was not these little flappy things. Can flamingos fly? Flamingos can fly. Oh, never mind. They can. Well, they were... I mean... They were kind of made of smoke. The, I don't know how yeah. effective smoke wings are. You're saying that the smoke wings couldn't hold his weight? Like, couldn't? Probably not. He was a big guy. <laughs> so it's for show. He was a show. hefty dude. It's a, for it's, show. It's for show. Like, look how intimidating I look. Why didn't... Uh, okay, yeah. go fly. Uh, can't. It took one... It wasn't even a push. He just straight up fell. Yeah. Yeah, he fell. Dropped him. Dropped and him. And then on the way down, you know... He has Gandalf attacking him with a sword, yeah. so mm-hmm. can't really concentrate on flying at that moment. Yeah, so little things, little things like that. And then we oh, the see other... him come back later as yes. Gandalf the White. The other bullshit oh. that I hate is when Aragorn and the trio show up mm-hmm. to the mound of burnt up Urukai. Yeah. And Aragorn, so this is when you get the famous the scene he kicks the helmet and he ends up breaking two toes in real life and does this like incredible like scream and peter jackson leaves that take in the movie then he proceeds to have this incredible like a hobbit lay here and a hobbit a lay here. here and they crawled their bonds were cut they went straight into fangorn forest like how the fuck did he tr- divine all of this whole sequence that actually happened tracker of the year he's a tracker it yeah. did not know because I was they show the ground that he's looking at and I'm like where do you see a hobbit here how I I can knows. see prints like you can see like no, little things no. here and there okay plus like <laughs> even before that hold on but even before that when they're like on foot chasing the horde like yeah. he has his he has his ear oh, on the ground his it's ear like to the ground and he's like they picked away. up yeah they've picked up speed and so, like, we need to make our way now. Like, he's—I can understand vibrations he's one with through nature, rock. Man, he is he's one with nature. I can with understand it. vibrations through rock, but I can't understand this entire story that he like. Created. I'm sorry, you're having a problem with a guy <laughs> being able to figure out that there were hobbits in the area in a movie with a wizard and orcs and uh. An elf who can never miss a bow and arrow this shot. Is, so this is where she draws the line. This is where she draws line. the line. Is the tracking? It's the oh tracking in this one scene. A man can't do that. I don't have a it problem with that. It has to be ha- a magical creature it. who can. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that that 
of all the things, of all the things, that's what bothers you. Yeah. That's funny to me. That's funny to me. Okay. So I think we're all in agreement of the part we don't like. Oh, it's the tree. It's the, <sighs> the trees, right? It's absolutely yeah. boring. and I just so think long. it lingers too long. I yeah. And what sucks is that it is intermingled with the Battle of Helm's Deep and things yes. leading up to Helm's Deep. So we'll be in like the middle of a battle sequence and then we're back to Merry and Pippin. <laughs> and I'm like, really? They're, the Ents are still talking. Okay, let's move on. Like, it's going back. It did kind of ruin, I think, the pacing of the battle a little bit, which I can look past because, again, I love it anyway. And, you know, you can forgive. Forgive and forget. But it it's too slow to be there mixed I'll- in with that battle. I think it probably would have been better if, like, those sequences were shortened, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then, like, you know, because they have to cut away from the battle for something, you know, maybe a little more time with, like, Frodo and Sam and their deal uh, on their end. Because I don't know if there's enough time there during the battle sequence where I, for a moment, I'm like, when they finally check in on Frodo, I'm like, oh, God, I forgot. Like, Frodo's mm-hmm. captured. <laughs> like, there's a lot of time they spend yeah. away from them. So I think maybe they could have spent just, you know, one more extra cutscene. Let's check in on Frodo, you know, like mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that may be probably, yeah, that could have worked. Um, let's see. What else about Two Towers you want to talk about I that you want to mention? want to mention how when King Theoden loses his son, he wakes up from his, you know, possession yeah. and finds that his son is slain. And they immediately cut to basically him burying his son. And it's very emotional. Mm-hmm. Even though you don't ever meet the son, basically. No, you don't know you don't. what his deal is. You don't care. Like, it's just a father grieving and Eowyn grieving as well. And I absolutely think that the scene following the burial where it's just him and Gandalf outside the grave. And he's talking about the flowers that adorn the grave and... He says that no parent should have to bury their child. And I absolutely think this is one of the greatest lines, like, ever. <laughs> that was actually going to be my next question yeah. from the two movies. What's your favorite line? I just love it. I think that in the way he delivers it and breaks down, and there was just a lot of... It was so genuine and authentic in that moment. Yeah, I don't think that if you like watch it, and even if you're not a parent, you can get something out of it. Because it's just so powerful mm-hmm. and fun fact that actor bernard hill was in glasgow scotland and a woman came up to him and told him about how one of her children had died shortly before then and that parents shouldn't have to bury their child and that interaction with that woman affected him so much that he asked for that line to be put into the movie yeah oh, wow I yeah mm, interesting i didn't know that again another example of how another the actors example. are coming in and like really affecting the script because everyone was just all together for 16 months (laughs) i mean yeah and i you build the camaraderie you build trust to be able to understand where the story's coming from the writers and then on top of that the actors coming back and feeling like you know what i feel like this can be said or this can be put into Mm -hmm. the story and it'll work um do you have rebecca a line that you remember from one of the first two movies either one that really sticks out to you that's a favorite if you have one i don't do you know. like i don't think we talked about I frodo see. and sam enough but maybe uh-huh. like when sam is saying like do you 
what what is it that he says that it's worth fighting for at the end of yeah. the two towers his little monologue yeah um yeah that's nice i i honestly <laughs> like nice. i kind of like zone out during that part folks in those honest, stories yeah they had lots of chances to turn back yeah no it's it is powerful very moving but I, yeah i don't know for some reason that one i don't know that one's not my favorite I don't know if I have a favorite. I do love that scene outside of the the tomb. Um, I feel like there are several things that, and I don't have them off the top of my head, that either Aragorn or Gandalf say. Because they, but I know Aragorn tells Gandalf like, oh, you still speak in riddles. But they both kind of speak in riddles, to be <laughs> yeah, honest. They and they both have do, like a yeah. way of speaking that you're like, oh my God, that sounded so beautiful. And he could just be telling me that the sky is blue. um but it just sounds so nice to hear them say it in their own little poetic way yes very poetic um so pretty much anything aragorn or gandalf says is a favorite of mine when they're being all rhymy and poetic and poetic uh for me it is from gandalf um in the fellowship of the ring when basically frodo saying like i wish the ring had never come to me Mm. and gandalf has like a a little monologue but like the biggest part of it is uh i wish none of this had happened proto says and he says so do all who live to see such times but that is not for them to decide all we have to decide is what to do with the time that has been Mm -hmm. given to us i get goosebumps like that line that portion of it is just fantastic and he he has some other great lines as well like when when frodo's like he you know it's a pity bilbo didn't kill Gollum, you know pity right it was pity that stayed bilbo's hand yeah many many that life deserve death some that yeah. die deserve life mm. can you give it to them frodo do not be so mm. eager to deal out death and judgment yes that I line that right line there fellowship it's yeah. so good um i'm trying to think of ones from the second movie obviously like you said no parent should have to you know bury their, their child is like that was just like oof that hurts it's a sucker punch that is a sucker punch yeah the whole interaction and you know gandalf kind of doing his best to to kind of rally him as well not just like comfort but rally because there's more oh my gosh you know we didn't talk about (laughs) oh my god what yes is it's back to theoden since we're talking about Theoden, oh, that, yeah. that he was out of it this, enti- he was this out entire line. movie. Out of line. He's having all these existential crises <laughs> in the middle of really important battles and meetings. He's like, do my men love me? Have I been a good king? It's like, dude, get your armor on. We got to get outside. Yeah, there's like no so time for this. He really, uh, and I don't know, maybe it was, you know, his possession. recent possession. The that, loss of his son, That maybe. had him... Um, in his feels, but he he does pull it together for the third movie, and he he does do that. But I, I noticed, he's yeah, super well, resolute. The in whole the, third movie. the whole movie, he's having these like little little crises <laughs> during meetings, and it's like okay, get it together. Is Relax. this really the guy you want leading you into exactly. battle? Exactly, and I'm like, I'm so glad Aragorn. Without here. Aragorn, that Oof. battle would have been lost. Oh, oh totally. Yeah. Totally. Oh, and then Aomir. We haven't talked about the Rohirrim. Rohirrim. And his horse helmet, which is my fa- one of my favorite Stop. costuming pieces. Yes. Because it fits his face and his nose so perfectly. Mm. And then he takes it off and you're like, damn. Damn. It's all Carl that, Urban. All that was under there. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, 
you know, they help save the day too. Gandalf goes and gets them. That which moment. I think is, yeah. First light on the fifth day. Yep. Oh, look to my. the east. Look at to the dawn, east. And the they east. come down this freaking mountain at an impossible 45 degree yeah, that angle. Was ridiculous. And but. the music swells and you're just. The light. My God. Beautiful. Stunning. Beautiful stuff. Wonderful stuff. Yeah, the, I don't think. I remember when I saw Carl Urban, I was just like, oh, he's in the movie. Uh-oh. And just like, oh, wow. He's like, gone on to have quite a career, but yes, I think he has. he's really good as. Well, he's good Naomi. in just about anything he does, though. Oh, yeah, like, sure. Yeah. There's, I don't have a bad thing to say about Carl Urban. <laughs> he's great in everything. Uh, anything else about Two Towers? Because we're going to leave off at Two Towers. One last thing to say, and I think it's about Grima Wormtongue. Okay. Because he sees this secret army, he had no idea that Saruman was creating an army of like 10,000 Urukai. And it's revealed, they're chanting, it's really a moment for him, and he cries this one perfect tear. That is something that Brad Dorif, that's the actor, he can just do that. And he and the filmmakers were just like, I think this would work here. And they kept it in. And you have this one perfect tear from Wormtongue looking at this vast army. Yeah, uh, that is not something that a lot of people can do. But there, I've seen examples of other actors or actresses who like can. Liv Tyler does it as well. Like the Liv one Tyler, tear apparently not screwing up their face in you know in other aspects like Bryce Dallas Howard can do it. Mm. Like just randomly, just can yeah. just like bam, shed a tear easily. Uh, speaking of. The, this movie uh when it comes to the academy awards this one was nominated for six academy awards it won two of them it won best sound editing and best visual effects hmm. um once again it was nominated for best picture didn't win that year either but i think this is the first sequel to be nominated for best picture where the first movie was not uh Hold on, like in general, was the first one not nominated for the best first picture? one was not nominated for best picture. That doesn't sound right to me. Exactly. Because whole, it was like, nominated for everything. And no, it was nominated for best picture. OK, then what the hell am I talking about? I don't know. Don't know. Because how can you be nominated for 13 oh, Academy Awards and not be nominated for best picture? It was nominated for best. This is the first sequel that was nominated for best picture where the first one was nominated but didn't win. Oh, I and see. then mm. this one didn't win either this for best picture. Have uh, have any sequels won best oh, picture? Oh yeah, we're gonna get to it when we talk about <laughs> the oh, next well, movie, yeah. Return of the oh, King. Yeah. When we, we talk about Return of the King, but that'll be on our next episode. Um, because again, that's another movie. Plus, I want to talk about like our thoughts or our expectations for what the new series is going to bring to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know a lot of like Lord of the Rings fans are a little concerned about certain things uh, leading into it. So I definitely want to leave that discussion for the <laughs> next time. But uh, back to Two Towers. Anything else that you want to say on Two Towers or Lord of, or uh, Fellowship of the Ring, one of the two movies? What do you want? You got nothing? Um, no, just that I would defend Two Towers to my grave. <laughs> to your grave. <laughs> to Perfect. my grave. Yeah, Got she's it. come at me saying, like, how could you love Fellowship over Two Towers? And I'm like, I'm not doing this with you. Because <laughs> like, she gets so aggressive. You get so aggressive, girl. 
I'm not doing this with you. (laughs) All right. So, (laughs) so those are our thoughts, our feelings, just us looking back at the first two movies in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Uh, Really excited to talk about the return of the King on the next episode. Mm -hmm. Plus, obviously look into rings of power which is the show coming up which i believe takes place well before the events of the movies we saw so really excited for that so if this is your first time checking out the show first off thank you for checking out the show uh if you want more of the show or if you want to you know go ahead and be ready for the next episode go ahead and subscribe on your favorite podcast app we're on apple Podcasts, spotify google Podcasts, and many more and if you do like us go ahead and give us a review on apple Podcasts or spotify five stars goes a long way for us we're also on social media jessica what is our handle on social media at always critic pod that's right <laughs> twitter instagram facebook tiktok you can find us there and then if you've done that and you still want to support us go to patreon.com slash always critic pod that's where you can support us and everything that we're trying to do. We are going to be dropping episodes of different things. Obviously, Jessica with uh, K Rambles, your <laughs> your Daybok. Uh, you have your first say, your mid say. Mm-hmm. Uh, we still don't have a third <laughs> thing of like when you're done. I know. But, I should just do one when I'm yeah. done. <laughs> and uh, this week we will be, I'll, or I, I don't know if you're, coming along with me you You might join me uh but i'll be talking about she hulk so that'll be on patreon but the first episode we'll talk about it on this feed which i'm kind of excited about i i don't know your feelings on it jessica but (laughs) we'll talk about that on the show all right i want to thank rebecca furpy for coming on to this episode thank you so much it was a lot of fun And hopefully we'll have you on for the second half of this discussion because, again, it is Lord we of the Rings. We can't stop here, yeah. Yeah, we can't <laughs> stop here. We can't just have you be like, hey, after two towers and then you're gone. That <laughs> so, doesn't work. Bye. <laughs> Would not work. So uh, we'll have you on the next episode as well. And that has been our episode. I'm Rico. And I'm Jessica. And this has been the Always a Critic Podcast. Always a Critic Podcast.